to be at the, the foot of the cross. Redeeming love. There's not a person in this room and not a person on the planet that doesn't need redeeming love. And my hope is that we will forever be a people that make that easier for folks to receive. I'm afraid there have been times when we've made that too difficult. We forget that the hardest work was already done. Bought, paid for, signed, sealed, and delivered. Now, just extended and invited that everyone would come and receive redeeming love. Would you stand with me and honor God's word this morning? As we look, it's printed there in your bulletin, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, reading from the NIV. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Anybody got a past in the room? Anybody got a past you wish wasn't quite what it's been? Verse 19, But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Everybody say, my sake. It ought to be personal to us this morning. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that there are still timeless truths that remain. Thank you that there is redeeming love available to each and every person. Whatever our story has been up to this point, you are here to allow us to write new chapters, to make it possible for the story to be what you desire it to be. And for those of us this morning, Lord, who maybe that's grown cold in us, or maybe, Lord, we've, we've neglected to offer that and extend that to others as we should. Help us this morning to move up closer to you, closer to your heart, and to walk out of here today more Christ-like than we were when we came in. May it be to your glory and your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And I'm going to join you, but for mainly one reason. When I first uh, gained an awareness that I needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, that I was guilty of sin, lost, and 
without a personal relationship with Jesus, I would die and go to hell. That was, and that I would, and and even worse in some ways, I would not know Him in this life. I would miss everything that He had for me. When that realization first hit me, I did what any uh, good young man growing up in a Southern Baptist church would do. I hit the altar. <laughs> and I hit it hard. And as much as I knew how, I wept and cried and prayed, Oh God, forgive me, save me, give me a new story. And I didn't understand even fully what I was saying. So, as it turned out, my pastor at the time lived on the same street that I lived on, which can be a blessing and a curse as a kid. But I told mom, she knew I'd had some kind of experience at church that morning, and I told her, I said, Mom, I, uh, I don't know what to do next. And she said, the pastor lives just right up the road, three houses. You go see him. And with fear and trembling, I went to his house, knocked on the door. I didn't know that he was happier to see me than I was to see him, that it was going to be a glorious thing at the time. So I was shaking in my boots, which that's all I wore at that point, his boots. Loved them. Um, but I remember, I will never forget, before I could ever say anything, he opened the door, he saw me, and his first words were, come in and sit down with me for a little while. He didn't have, well, I, I guess he did have a clue why I was there, but I, as far as I knew, he didn't. And so that was his first statement to me, come in, sit down for a little while. And we talked that morning, and... Uh, he helped me to grow in my understanding of the Word of God, uh, to grow in the understanding of what had I had just experienced and what a new life in Christ meant, what it meant to be redeemed, to be a person who was experiencing redemption. Uh, and before long, of course, as any good Baptist preacher would do, he had me scheduled for baptism, and, uh, and we were off to the races. I'm thankful to God that though there's been many times to stumble and many times to lose my way, He has never failed. He's been so faithful. And He's always brought me back, and I guess that's what's on my heart this morning, He's always brought me back to that moment of first meeting Him. It's just been an anchor in my life. Uh, because I don't know how many of you experience this. I, I've always known I've been saved since that point, but I've not always felt like it. There have been many times when I've looked in the mirror and thought, oh no. <laughs> and the Lord has been so faithful to always say, let's go back. Hey, come sit down with me for a little while. And he's taken me back to those places along the way where he's been so faithful. I want you to Take the journey with me this morning. Uh, maybe it helps you to close your eyes to focus in on this. What's your redemption story? And, and let's not over-spiritualize it too much here at first. Think with me for a time, it, from, from the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room. When have you been in a rough spot? Maybe of your own doing, maybe somebody else's, and you weren't sure how you were going to get out of this mess. Do you have a memory? Is it coming back? 
some of us are going to have to pick and choose which one because there's a bunch of them. But you've been in a spot, you've been in a place, and maybe you didn't say it, and maybe nobody else knew it, but in your heart of hearts, the battle was on. How do I get out of this? Where's the next breath come from? What's the next step? How does this even remotely turn out well? What you're seeking in that moment, and maybe you didn't know what to call it, but it was this, redemption. How does this get redeemed? How does good come out of, of this? I think I've always wrestled with my relationship with the Lord in one sense because I've never felt worthy at all. Uh, so much of a deep sense of, God, how could you possibly want to give me salvation? How could you possibly? Why would you even want to redeem me? And I think that's exactly where Satan hopes we will all dwell. I think he hopes we will all continue to wrestle and fight with, I'm not worthy, I've not earned it, I don't have any reason to give to God that he should go to the cross and die for me. Why would he do that? Why would anyone lay down their life, let alone God, give up? everything, heaven, all that there is. Why would he do that for me? And therein, the answer is in the question. It really is. Because uh, we've already sung about it this morning. Redeeming love. We struggle with this kind of love between ourselves, and we certainly struggle with it between us and God. That, that this love is extended to us not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but God loves us because it, it is absolutely His character. The Bible says God is love. Now, you want to get in a deep discussion in a theology class somewhere, you just bring that up and start wrestling with, what does it really mean for God to... To not just be loving, for God to not just be kind and good and faithful, but that He actually is love itself. Uh, almost to the point that you could look at someone and instead of saying, I love you, you could say, I God you. Because He just, he just is. He, he is love. Now that would be odd, of course. Don't go out... Be prepared to follow that up with some explanation. If you're... Do you have that feeling? I'm trying to give you some time here. Where's that place? Where's that time? Where's that moment? How do we get out of this, God? How does this turn out well? Boy, how does this get redeemed? What, what happens here? God's Word, though, declares redemption, and, and we've read about it this morning, verse 18, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I want to say some things to you that you already know, but I'm, I'm a firm believer now more than ever that 
what we speak takes on life. And the Bible tells us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. And I've seen too many people suffer from self-fulfilling prophecies in their own life. And I don't know why we're prone to declare the bad over our lives rather than the good and rather than the what might be and the great possibilities. I run into too many people who always want to declare, well, Murphy's Law, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. We feel that way sometimes, don't we? But, oh God, help us to declare life and to speak life over, our, over who we are in our situation because that's what God has done over us, you see. That's not just us saying, well, let's just, let's just flip our mind around and that'll win the battle. And I, and I want to take us further than that because right now in, in, in Christian circles, there's a lot of language about that. Just win the battle of your mind and you'll, well, right thinking has a place. But right thinking isn't what redeems us. We are redeemed by only one thing and only one way. And it's not popular much anymore, but we are redeemed, the Bible says, by the blood of the Lamb. By a sacrifice that we couldn't make, that we weren't able to pay, by, by, by one going before us and giving his life for us, paying a ransom to buy us back, to redeem us, to, to restore the relationship that once was there, but sin has wrecked in your life and mine from Adam and Eve all the way down to this very day. And Jesus, the one and only begotten Son of the Father, looked out across time and said, I'm going to the cross for you, for you, for you. It's, you see... The difference, I'm convinced, between those who are living in a full experience of what God wants them to have as a child of God and those who are not is the difference between whether someone believes that's personal, that cross, that work of Jesus, whether they believe that was really for them or just kind of for the world. Now, certainly it was, for God so loved the world, but until it becomes personal, it doesn't really become all that effective in our own lives. It doesn't really mean what it ought to. Our lives, you see, ought to become a testimony of what God has done. They ought to become a testimony of redemption. Redemption in its, its simplest form is to, is to simply buy back, to get back what was lost what was taken away. And what was lost, what was taken away? Well, for, for all of humanity, what was lost was a personal relationship with God. And so the whole story, ultimately, of God's Word centers around this one idea that, that we would be redeemed, that we would be brought back into a right relationship with God the Father through the work of Jesus Christ, His shed blood on the cross. Everything else is bonus or details or extra. And it's good and it's wonderful. But until we've been redeemed, nothing else is in its proper place. So this morning, before we get any further and I run the risk of going too long, I 
I just want to say to you this. Redemption is available for every person here and now. Absolutely. Absolutely. This morning. You can make a transaction with the Lord this morning that will have you walking out of here redeemed when you may not have been when you walked in. Just like that. So, so don't buy into another lie that's out there a lot. And I've been as guilty of this as anyone else. Our redemption, that work, was done at Calvary. Was done at Calvary. We receive it by faith. And the moment we receive it by faith, we are saved by faith through the grace of God. It is His work. It's what He does for you and I. And far too many of us, no matter how many times we've heard that, I'm amazed that we can so easily slip back into this. That's wonderful. Now, I've got to earn it. No. If that's you, stop. Stop. You're never going to earn it. You're never going to be worthy of it. You're never going to deserve it. You can respond to it, however. That's where the work of the people of God comes in. Our work, our efforts, our, our striving is not to deserve it or to earn it. It is to respond to it. To acknowledge He has redeemed me. You've heard me say this before. I know that the teens have. If someone saved your life in the literal sense here and now, most of us, and I think probably all of us, the, the logical response we would have is, I'll spend the rest of my life being grateful to you. I'll spend the rest of my life remembering that there was a point where I nearly lost my life, and it had, if it hadn't been for you, you saved me. You redeemed me. You turned me around. You, you fixed it. You got me out of that threat, that danger that nearly took my life. You'd spend the rest of your life being grateful, honoring them trying to do whatever you could to show your appreciation and thankfulness. But how much more for the one who died to save our eternal souls? Not just this old house of clay that ultimately is going to go in the ground one of these days, no matter what, but died to save that of you that will live forever, that which makes you who you are and that is eternal and will live somewhere eternally, heaven or hell. It will, it will, you there was a time, as my pastor used to say, there was a time when you were not. There will never be a time when you are not. Redemption. You see, we know what it is in so many ways to be redeemed in, in the mortal sense. Some of you have, have faced some horrific failings and pain and losses and struggles in life. But you've also been able to go through those times and be on the other side of them and say, praise God, He's redeemed it. He's brought me through. I didn't deserve it. I didn't. I, there were times when I struggled to know if it was even going to happen. I grew weary. I grew tired. But He never quit. He never gave up. And I can testify to you today that He's in the business of redeeming lives redeeming situations and circumstances. Well, uh, we've looked at uh, one example from God's Word here in First Peter, and, 
and he, he goes on, don't miss these words, just hear them again. He, Jesus was chosen, verse 20, chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. Boy, we need a fresh touch of that today. I see too many of us putting our hope and our faith in so many other things. Otherwise, there wouldn't be the kind of fear that we see running rampant today. Anybody heard about some kind of virus out there going around? I'm not here to get political. I'm just telling you. wasn't surprising to God. And we can choose to go down the route of laying blame and making this declaration or that or whatever. Folks, we have a much bigger problem facing humanity than a coronavirus ever thought about being. May we be about the Father's business. May we focus on lives that could truly be lost. Because if you're saved, if you're redeemed, if you know the Lord, then pile every virus on you want to. It's not going to change your eternal destiny. May get you there quicker. <laughs> Sorry. But let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's keep the focus on what it ought to be. I don't mean to mess up our coffee group, Dennis, but uh, we probably just spend a little bit too much time on things that just aren't going to matter once it's all said and done. What would you say to me, Jack, one time? When all is said and done, usually more is said than done. There's some truth there, isn't there? God help us to get busy with the things that matter. And people are lost and need redemption. People have lives and stories that are hurting and broken, and your lives are like that and need the redeeming power of God. And, and you may face a situation, a turn in the road, a, a curve, a, a something you didn't expect this coming week, and you're going to need redemption for that. Redemption begins by first kneeling at the foot of the cross, reminding ourselves again that, that whatever the situation is, there is redemption for it. Look with me at uh, Titus chapter 3. I want want you to see this very quickly. Right after Timothy. A little Bible drill this morning. It's page 953 in my Bible. Probably doesn't help you much. But. Titus chapter 3. Beginning at verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing 
of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified there is a synonymous term with redemption. We've been redeemed just as if we had never sinned. He paid the price. He did it for all of us. Jesus is the source of redemption, and he is the only way to redemption. Please, please don't try to show compassion and help someone through a difficult time by offering them everything under the sun except Jesus. I know there's a lot of great tools. There's a lot of great helps. There are a lot of great things out there that, that help in the physical and the, and the mental and the spiritual and all those things. But if we don't put the focus on Jesus as the only source of redemption, we are selling anybody and everybody short of what they really need. Redemption bought by the precious blood of Jesus. And, and how does that work in a single life? Look at Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. man by the name of Paul. Acts 26, beginning at verse 9. Here's one man's account. One man's thoughts on the matter of being redeemed. Paul says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue or church. I compelled them to blaspheme or to deny God. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. You know, most of us would be content if we had a neighbor we didn't like if they just, if they just moved. That'd be okay. Paul said, uh-uh, I'll find you. I'm going to hunt you down. Not good enough that you just change your address. I'm coming after you. Paul was a pretty strong-willed guy. He says, I, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. At midday, O king, along the road I saw light from heaven. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. <laughs> At midday, I, I saw light shining brighter than the sun around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan 
to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Praise his name. Do you see it? Do you see what happened? He was passionate against God. And he saw a light. And he became passionate for God. To God. God just simply spun him around. Said, you've been going that way long enough. Just turned him around. You know what would set a church on fire? If we were the place where somebody could walk in those doors and say, I've been going the wrong way. Does anybody know this man, Jesus? And we told him, and he spun them around. And they walked out the door, redeemed, rescued, set free, a new life in Christ. And it can happen just like that. God, help us to believe it again. Help us to see it again. Help us to know that He wants to do that for each and every life. There's so much there. I, I wish I could preach on that for a year. Uh, I don't think I've got the time this morning. But what a story. What a story. <clears throat> and some of you have probably been pretty ornery down through the years. But I don't imagine any of you were quite at the level Paul was at. I don't know that any of you were putting on your battle fatigues and going out saying, let's go kill us some Christians today. So what's the point? If God could take that life and turn it around. <laughs> Is anything too hard for God? You got a problem he can't solve? You got a mountain he can't move? We used to sing it. God specializes in things thought impossible. He can do what others cannot do. And He'll do it for you. So how's your week been? You could probably tell me a whole lot. How's next week going to be? None of us know yet. But here's what I want you to hear today. Whatever it is, whatever it's been, whatever it will be, there is redemption for it bought by the precious blood of Christ. You haven't gone too far. You're not in it too deep that He can't redeem you, set you free, give you the life that you've always dreamed of, that life in Christ. And, and here's the thing. Please don't write this off just because you're tempted to think to yourself, well, I got saved 50 years ago. What do I need this? Every day we need the redeeming love. Of Jesus because <clears throat> he is the one who discerns even the thoughts of our hearts and that's captivated me a lot here lately God if you know my thoughts how could I ever stand before you but because of the redeeming love of Jesus I have hope and I have victory I can be set free I don't have to earn it. I don't have to deserve it. He did all that, and He just invites me this morning. Receive it. Receive it. Redemption. Redemption. It's available. Would you stand with me this morning? 
Our worship team's going to come back, or some of them are going to come back. We sang this morning about uh, God giving us a song, and I can so identify with that. So many of my life experiences are because of songs. I just they they speak the words I <clears throat> I'm not articulate enough to come up with. Maybe it's because I grew up with a singing mom. Mom sang when she did everything, loud, sharp, flat, whatever. She didn't know the words. She made them up, you know. Just, uh, but she sang, and I think without even ever telling me, she just put something in me that said, "Sing your way through life. Sing your way through it. Sing your way out of it. God will give you a song." And one I heard years ago that I just identified with so well. It's not the one we're getting ready to sing again. This one's so good, but another one. I was a little boy, and I heard a voice that was one of the purest baritones I've ever heard in my life. And he sang these words, if I can say them. I was the taker. He was the giver. Dying that I go free, his one earthly reason was me. As pastors, we tend to carry a burden. We don't tend to carry it. We absolutely do. God, what will this week be like for them? Will you? How will you help them? How will they get through? How will? What will come? Will? I think about my youth group that I go down through their list of names every morning. I say, oh God, the journey they're on, the life they're living. Here's what gives me hope and gives me confidence. If you've gone through this place of identifying and saying, I was the taker, he was the giver, dying that I go free, his one earthly reason was me. In other words, when it becomes personal, then I don't have to worry anymore. Pastor BJ does because you're going to seek him. You're going to live it out. You're going to find him. You're going to reach for him in whatever the week brings. You're going to know what it is to be redeemed and you're going to know that there's more and more redemption. Did you hear it in the passage we read? He's made a lot known to us, but there's more that he's going to reveal. There's more. Thanks be to God. We can't wear him out. I've done that to a few people. Just flat wore them out. <clears throat> and they were nice about it. They just kind of grew distant. You know, just grew distant. Just wore them down. But we can't wear him out. And you never will. You never will. He loves us. And he's going to redeem us. What do you got in your life that needs to be redeemed this morning? The list may be too long. It, it, let me just shorten it for you. Just let him redeem all of you. Just give him everything this morning. Don't come to him this morning and say, Lord, there's this one thing. If you've only got one thing, you need to be shouting. 
Amen? You've only got one. Mercy sakes. Just bring it all to Him. We're going to sing again. Just a verse or two, and then we're going to close. But boy, you need redemption? Let Him redeem it this morning. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever you're going through, just give it to Him this morning. Just say, Lord, I don't even have the words. Here I am. Here it is. You know it all. Just, I don't even fully understand what he's even talking about. Just redeem it. I know, I know there's something I need. And I'm coming to you. Boy, he'll be faithful. He really will. Let's sing together.